So what Bowman and Deal end up by saying is that managers live in the structural frame and the human resource frame. Basically, managers manage for stability and order, while leaders, yes, they are definitely performing in those four frames, but they can also switch the lens towards a political frame or a symbolic frame. So that is what makes them different from uh, managers, because leaders lead for dramatic change, useful and dramatic change. Hello and welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Jill Farmer, one of your co-hosts of the podcast and lead coach at Doc Working. We are so glad you're here today. As always, this is brought to you by Doc Working Thrive. Go to docworking.com today to take our burnout quiz and learn how you can go from being burned out to balanced. We're really excited for this conversation today because we're talking about something that I know many physicians and healthcare professionals have told us it's important to you, and that's leadership and learning how you can be a better leader and what it takes for the building blocks of leadership within an organization. And I've even had physician clients tell me they want to understand leadership better, not only because they may want to step into leadership positions someday, but they want to know and understand how they can be led better by better understanding what it is that leaders do. And I think today's conversation is going to shed some important light on that for you all. I'm really excited to be joined by Tosco Bruno von Weifiken. She is a consultant, coach, and public thought leader, author, and her focus is on nonprofit organizations, both domestically, but especially internationally. She's also the host of the podcast, NGO Soul and Strategy, and host of several courses on virtual team leadership. At the start of her career, Tosca worked as an international development practitioner for a European think tank, the World Bank, the U.S. nonprofit, and a little organization called the United Nations. <laughs> After leaving the Netherlands, her home country, she has lived in Zimbabwe, Cambodia, and Vietnam before settling in upstate New York. And she's been here for about 21 years. She is a dual national USA and Netherlands citizen. Tosca, thanks so much for being with us here today to talk about some frameworks of leadership that I know were new to me and insightful to me and to understand a little bit where we can default as either leaders or aspiring leaders into comfort zones and where we can stretch into spaces that help us be more balanced on the leadership front. Absolutely. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. And I loved how you framed that just now about the, 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 the default and the, and the stretch opportunities. So let's talk a little bit about one of the frameworks that you use extensively in your work in helping to support people in leadership to make everybody thrive, particularly in um, organizations and not-profits where you've done a lot of your work. It's based on these four frames of leadership. Give us an overview a little bit about what, what you're talking about when we're talking about these four frames. Yeah, so this is a, a set of concepts that comes from two authors here in the US, Bowman and Deal. And I have found over the 30 years or so of my uh, leadership development and coaching and change management practice that this particular set of concepts always resonates with leaders of both nonprofits domestically, but particularly internationally, and also in government agencies and in the UN, as you said. So basically the idea is that 
especially as managers want to rise to the level of leaders, they need to become more agile, more versatile, more flexible in choosing certain leadership lenses or frames, as it's called in what we call colloquially the four frames model, to choose our leadership lenses or frames more strategically depending on the context. So to not always refer back to your word, Jill, at the default lenses that we might naturally be prone to, to default to. So the four frames in a nutshell, let me first explain the nutshell and then feel free to ask me more where you think that might be helpful. So the four frames, first of all, is the um, structural frame. And that is that the organization, when you as a leader in a health care organization or in a, in a, um, in a health um, care practice, when you think about the organization as a machinery, as uh, like like in a factory where you have cogs and wheels and everything has to be turning so basically you're thinking about the organization as an organogram as a set of boxes where people are placed with job descriptions and titles and hierarchies and where we decide how information has to flow and how decision making will flow that is the the, the structural frame okay it's a very classical frame the second frame is the human resource frame. And so this is a mindset, a leadership lens through which I as a leader can look at my organization or my team, my unit, etc., as a family where I as a leader need to make sure that my staff, my employees feel they're welcome, they feel a sense of belonging, they feel they're part of a family, they feel they are heard, so there are participatory approaches towards managing the organization, etc. And where I pay attention to things like employees' per, uh, professional development, their career growth and pathing, etc. The third frame, and this gets a little bit more abstract, is the idea that the organization is not just a machinery, it's not just a set of people that want to feel part of a family, but it's also a jungle where people are jockeying for positions, jockeying for access to the top leader, for access to budgets, right? Where people start to form uh, coalitions in the in the background with each other in, or, in order to try to have sway to influence a certain decision, right? And where there's also conflict around resources and access to the top leader and decisions. And then the fourth frame is the frame where the organization is also either a stage, like a theater stage or a stadium, etc., or where, it, where it's a temple, a mosque, or a church. What do I mean by that? Is that people in organizations, employees, staff, need to also have a sense of higher meaning through the work. And some leaders are better able than others to kind of talk about that higher meaning, the purpose of the work in a transformational way. And they use storytelling, they use images, they use myths also myths about the organization that motivate and inspire people. So those four frames are what we mean by, by the four frames as, as first put out by, by Bowman and Deal here in the US. So what Bowman and Deal end up by saying is that managers 
live in the structural frame and the human resource frame. Basically, managers manage for stability and order, while leaders, yes, they are definitely um, performing in those four frames, but they can also switch the lens towards a political frame or a symbolic frame. So that is what makes them different from uh, managers, because leaders lead for dramatic change, useful and dramatic change. So let me stop there, Jill, and see what you think. I think you did a beautiful job of explaining it because I'm quite sure this is new to a lot of us, including me. And I really like how you delineate between the definition of managers versus leaders. And I think that's what we have seen in healthcare over the last two and a half years, thanks to COVID and, you know, leading up to that, thanks to the overwhelming um, administrative load that has become part of a lot of people's life as healthcare professionals since the Um, advent of EMR and um, EHR, electronic medical records, that administrative load has created a, a shift in a lot of people's balance of clinical work versus the other work they're doing. And so managing the details isn't enough anymore, I think, long term to help create cultures in organizations where people can thrive. And so for healthcare professionals to be part of the giving voice to this idea that it can't be just about managing, it has to be about leading. So for somebody who listens to that and says, okay, I am a leader or I am close to a leader and I can see they're doing their best in the human resource side of things, caring about people in the family treating their employees like family, the structural side of things, handling a lot of those details. But gosh, don't they want to stay away from the, as you called it, the jungle or the political aspect of the scarcity of resources? Or is it really their job to create meaning and purpose for people? Isn't that, shouldn't that be an inside job of the employees themselves? How do you convey to them why those other two lenses might be places where they want to stretch themselves. Where they want to stretch themselves. And you're absolutely right. I see this in national and international profits too, that a lot of people initially, not everybody, interesting enough, there's always some leaders who will pick up immediately on the symbolic frame and who are great storytellers. So they will, for instance, really use metaphors and storytelling a lot, but that's a small minority. On the political frame, I would say, and by the way, there is a gendered dimension to this. I want to highlight that, right? So particularly uh, women, we are, and women physicians and women uh, leaders, we are socialized to think that politics with a small p, and I want to really point out that when I talk about the political frame, I am not talking about petty politics. I'm not talking about self-serving politics. I'm talking about political behaviors as a leader. And if you want, we can kind of unpack what I mean by that in order to serve the mission of the healthcare organization better, right? There is a gendered aspect to this where women more than men on average look down upon the political frame or think that it's dirty, ethically dirty. And so I would contend that if you as a leader do not want to shy away from the political frame altogether, you need to be aware that others sometimes will use it. And they may use it either for petty or self-serving purposes, in which case you need to know how to counteract that. 
And sometimes you will be bypassed that way in furthering the mission. So I do think it's important. So should I give some examples of what we mean by this? I was just going to say, give us an example, because I can see, you know, listening to this as a woman through my lived experience, you know, there is a little bit of me that's saying, well, wait, isn't that the patriarchy, right? That you're supposed to play the game to try to get a hold of the attention of the power of the people who hold power here. And I know, I know that's not, at all what you're saying, but I need just a little more detail so I can better understand how this is an effective way yeah. lens for um, leaders to, to yeah. grow the mission. I will fully concede that when you say this is partially, I don't remember exactly what the American expression is for this, but playing the game that others are good enough to help me with it. I don't remember that expression exactly anymore, but but joining the game that others are, are playing, something like that. Mm-hmm. So influencing work, especially behind the scene influencing. So for instance, I'm a leader in a healthcare organization and I'm seeing that my senior team above me in hierarchy is about to make a decision that I really think is not serving the purpose. However, I do not have direct access to people or I don't have credibility with them. Can I pull in behind the scenes somebody who else, a third party, if you will, who I know has access to the CEO, let's say, right? Who is a friend of the CEO or who is a confidant of the CEO, for instance. So that's what I mean by the political frame as one example, where you bring in third party actors, if you will, to influence a decision. Another example is when you purposefully graduate yourself. So you basically, you sense that somebody has a little bit of ego and you purposely play on that in order to further what you believe, what you really care about, part of the mission that you stand for. So those things, one could say, yes, that 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 um, these are things that I don't want to do for purely kind of very high valued re- value reasons. But I would argue that if you do not know how to sometimes make judgment, how to use those kind of behaviors, others will undoubtedly do it and they will bypass you and the things you care about. Is that helpful? A hundred percent, because we can get so high minded about things like this, that it's like, well, it's almost like then we have to speak the same language at some point in the way people are used to conveying information and making decisions. And particularly when they, when uh, resources are limited in organizations, it's, it's not game playing, which is designed to make somebody else lose necessarily. It's looking at the pathways or the, the methods or the methodology that help get the things that are most important to you communicated in a way yeah. that, that lets yeah. your mission move forward. And, and kind of related to that, you you alluded earlier um, when we we're talking about that symbolic or that mm-hmm. the other frame that is about finding meaning and finding purpose. And you said one of the ways that leaders can help with that is through storytelling. I really love that because we know as this relates back to burnout, that one of the the antidotes to burnout is reconnecting people to why their work matters 
um, mm-hmm. to their purpose, which can feel really big. But if it points out, like, why does this matter to me? That gets us back connected to our values. That's a really good way for us to find meaning in work again, which helps with burnout a lot. So as a leader, if you can get more adept at helping connect people to why their work matters, to that purpose and meaning. And you give a really good example of that of giving by by using story to connect people. That's a really good skill we need to be thinking about incorporating yeah. into our work. And also like what images am I calling upon, right? So what images do I hold up? And very importantly, Jill, who do I hold up? So who I as a leader celebrate for what kind of behaviors has an enormous on culture. I love to do work on culture and I hope to in the future sometime talk with you or Jen about uh, organizational culture as well. But so what images I evoke or the people I hold up and celebrate or who I defer to in meaning in meetings is incredibly important in the symbolic frame. And it because staff will watch what you do. They do not Uh, pay as much attention to what you say, but they sure pay attention to what you do. So the symbolism of your behavior on a day-to-day basis is really important. So this this idea of heroes, right? Who do I hold up as heroes is really important in the symbolic frame. One more example, going back to the political frame, maybe that's helpful, is so bartering is also a leadership behavior in the political frame. In other words, to be saying, I know you really, you're talking to somebody else who you want to make your ally. So this is you trying to engage in coalition forming, right? And that you say something like this, I know this X, Y, Z is important to you. I'm very happy to help you with that. Will you in return help me with this new initiative? So just another example. Yeah, that's a really good example. So as we're thinking about, I, I kind of think is the, I know we've we've talked about different metaphors here, these frames or as lenses that you mm. can use to work through. I think of them also as different building blocks to think about, you know, as foundations of leadership. So you pointed out initially, and we talked about briefly the idea that some of these are um, managers, for instance, are getting more comfortable in that human resource or that, you know, people management, if you will, and then the structure management, but leaders are looking to maybe stretch themselves into these other ways of thinking in terms of symbolic and political. So if I'm somebody listening to this and I'm, for instance, I come from maybe more of a not-for-profit background in my healthcare organization, we know that those folks tend to be most comfortable in that human resource, family, caring idea. How could I grow my leadership skills and abilities by stretching myself into some of these other boxes? What would you yeah, say? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So Jill, what I love about this framework is that it's actually something I have found in my own life that I can train my mind around. You know, what we bring to our leadership is partially our personality. It's, it's our natural instincts, our drives, etc. And those over a long period of time can be somewhat tweaked, but they are fairly, fairly solid or stable. So for instance, I was somebody who lived primarily in the human resource and in the structural frame. And I have found that now I'm much more tuned to, oh, 
they, this other person, is moving in the political frame, so I better think about how I can either join that or counteract that, how I, I need to respond to that. I did not live much in the symbolic frame. And I have found ways now of evoking storytelling and heroes, etc., and to be very cognizant about the symbolism of my own behavior, that I'm on a stage in a certain way where people are watching me all the time, right? So what I love is that this is actually a trainable mindset in this framework. And that is not true for everything we can learn in a leadership development program. Yeah, I really like that. I, so I love how you, if I'm hearing you right, reflecting back to you, that this is a really good technique for meeting people where they are, right? Yeah. Thinking about these lenses can help you connect to, because the a mistake that can be made in leadership often is if only people would just think like I want them to think or act like I want them to think or behave like I want them to think. And that's, you know, it's a huge mistake. It's a, It's sort of the biggest mistake I think you can make in leadership and or that and being completely inflexible and not dynamic in the in the way that you want to adjust um, to challenges and to support people. And I think the other thing that I noticed as I was contemplating, thinking about these and learning about them for the first time is when I'm feeling stuck, I feel like it provides new options for stuck situations for mm. me. And I, I could apply these lenses, you know, after our initial conversation, it's like, well, if I'm just wishing that people would do X, Y, Z differently, or that the structure would change that I don't have agency to change the structure right now. How might I think about this more in terms of reallocation of resources and connecting to the decision makers to help them listen to things differently? How might I think about this in terms of how it relates to why this matters to me and somebody else and how we can find common ground on that? And that kind of opened my mind up. And so I, I really thought it was interesting to think about this as, as a problem solving or as a perspective, um, perspective. tool. Yes, yes. And it's, it's all about, it comes from this broader leadership uh, school that's, that is called contextual leadership. So where I'm very attuned to what do my quote unquote followers need from me at a certain, at this moment in time, and that I'm very self-aware that I do not default back to the one or two frames that I tend to be most comfortable with. There is an assessment that, that you can use with this uh, method, with this method. And most people live primarily in the human resource and um, and structural frame. So that's really good to become self-aware around because as you know, self-awareness is also one of those foundations for leadership, right? So finally, when, when have you seen a leader able to shift from whatever their home base or default frame was in this framework and stretch in a way that had a meaningful impact on those who are leading the culture of the organizations and benefit for the leader themselves? In some functions, what I sometimes call guilds, so for instance, people work in compliance, right? People who work in HR, as in the, the functional specialization within an organization, uh, people who work in legal, etc., have a hard time getting out of the structural frame. That's where they are all the time, right? And so I have seen examples where people in the structural frame actually never 
really thought about the people aspect of their uh, role. And if they wanted to have their organizational systems and uh, processes respected by others, they needed to move more towards the human resource frame and really think about how is this impacting people? Can I bring people along? Can I invite people to have input on how a certain organizational system or process works? So stretching yourself to adjacent areas, and I would say the human resource and the structural frame are adjacent areas, is easier for most people than it is to go across to the diagonally, across to the political or the symbolic frame, right? And I will say that stretching to the symbolic frame is most challenging because it's very abstract and it just is so unnatural to quite quite a few, few people. But even if you can imagine let me not always come, for instance, if I primarily live in a structural frame, let me not always come to a presentation with numbers, but let me come with a story about how my healthcare organization impacted one particular person in a powerful way. Mm -hmm. Doing that once and seeing how certain audiences are much more responsive to that can be an eye-opener. So that's the kind of stretching that I think is feasible. But going full on into the symbolic frame is challenging. Yeah, I can see that. If I were coaching somebody, even though I, I know very little about this compared to you, but if I were coaching somebody, I might say, what inspires you and how can you help convey through your own, through your stories, like lived experience with that inspiration? Because that's a great place where we are able to symbolically find, you know, where our Venn diagrams cross, because as humans, we are often inspired by what inspires each other. I think we could all use a little bit that in any organization and any organizational culture, thinking yeah. about why, what matters to us and what, where we can be inspired together toward um, growth and higher service. So Thank you for this conversation. Thanks for, for teaching us the basis of these. And, and I know for a lot of us, it's um, going to inspire us to look more further into this concept and think about ways that we can incorporate it into our life and to the many, many um, healthcare professionals listening, how they can incorporate these ideas to grow their impact and what they're doing out in the world. So thanks so much, Tosca, for being with us in this conversation. It's absolutely my pleasure. I've uh, loved this conversation. So Tosca Bruno von Fife Eichen, she is a consultant, coach, public thought leader, and you can go right now to Five Oaks Consulting. That's the number five, O-A-K-S consulting.org for more information on the leadership wisdom that Tosca has and brings to us through her many lived years of experience in this field. And the rest of you, I also would love you to go right now to docworking.com, take our burnout quiz, check out the ways that we can support your work as a physician and healthcare professional through our Doc Working Thrive program. Until next time, thanks so much for being here. I'm Jill Farmer on Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. At Doc Working, we're here to help you maximize your potential on your own terms and help you live your best life. Top executives, athletes, actors, all achieve greatness with the support of professional coaches. As a healthcare professional, you deserve ongoing coaching towards success in your career and in your life outside of work, helping you to balance and integrate work and life in the personalized way that is specific to you. 
At Doc Working, your success is defined by you, and our coaching programs help accelerate your path to get you there. And since our programs come with CME credit, you can let your CME budget help you to prioritize your own well-being. Please check us out at docworking.com. And until next time, thank you for listening to Doc Working, the whole physician podcast.